Terry's excellent. Game on. Yeah, man. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's talk about Wayne's World. Here we go. Yeah, this is this is part two. Wayne's World. It, it just gets better from here, really. Yeah. Not Wayne's World two though. No, no, no. This is part two, episode. Yeah. Episode two of Wayne's World one. Well, in case uh, it was con- you were confused by that intro. And you don't know what show this is. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. This is uh, Cranky Commentaries. Uh, as always, I am your host, Jake Domastro. And as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. You know, the first thing that that, that, that uh, uh, Mike Myers said about this movie in uh, all the interviews that I watched, which, to be fair, was only two, but the first thing he said about Wayne Campbell... I actually came up with Wayne Campbell uh, growing up from in Scarborough, Scarborough Ontario. Ontario, Canada. Um, I used to. I mean, he is. So I think this might be the most Canadian movie we've ever done. Is it? It might be. I'm trying to think, really, what is could possibly maybe The Fly because it literally takes place in Toronto. Oh, that was very Canadian. But yeah, it was all in Toronto. It's, it's almost less explicit, even though you can see that it's in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this one's not in Toronto, but almost draws attention to the fact that it could be. It could be, be exactly. <laughs> I mean, the th- I think, yeah. That the, yeah, like, basically what we touched on last time is, like, when we were talking about the origin of the character last week, is that, like, it's mostly, like, it's such a, the character's such a vibe, if if that makes sense. It's, it's such, like, a Midwest, like, which, you know, uh, Scarborough suburbs basically is, like, the American Midwest in a lot of ways. In some ways, yeah, yeah. Certainly, it's 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 a little bit different now than when he grew up. Oh, there. yeah. I mean, I mean more at yeah. the, the time that it, it they're they're comparing because, like, you know, the fact that it like translated so perfectly to uh, uh, Aurora, and like, yeah, exactly. And, like Rob Lowe was saying that you know, it's like reminded him exactly of his Midwest upbringing, and like Penelope Spheris, the director, was saying, you know, it was like the. They were going for the perfect Midwest, you know, representation. So, like, mm-hmm. anyway, oh, I think even like Mike Myers at one point said it's like supposed to be like you know every you know Midwestern fucking like headbangers, <laughs> like experience. Exactly. Yeah, headbanger is a good 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 way to describe yeah. what Wayne is. Yeah, well, that's what Penelope Spears <laughs> described them as. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like I wouldn't say they're like you know like. Metalhead might not be the right word, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they're they're not exactly metalheads. It's true, but yeah, like yeah, they're they're headbangers. The, everyone, just, yeah, it's, it's like everyone was just talking about their vibes. It's like the most important thing. It's like the positive vibes. But it's like, how much do you think Mike Myers is? That's that he's just not even playing a character. Uh, I'd say probably about forty percent of it is not. So you think thirty you think to forty? Wayne is. You think Mike Myers is forty percent Wayne Campbell? I'm gonna lower it. I'm gonna say twenty-five to thirty percent. Okay, that's what <laughs> I would say. Right. I think he's. I think he's much more sophisticated than he comes across. I mean, Wayne's pretty sophisticated. Oh well, it's that's true. That's a good point. Have you seen some of the sketches where they review mo- movies? <laughs> Yeah, so funny. <laughs> we're like Garth, we're yeah. Garth, like they go through a bunch of like they're like it sucked, totally sucked, and then he's like, yeah. I thought it was what was it, beautiful but alienating. 
Yeah, Garth, exactly. Garth it totally blue chunks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good. It's good shit. Um, but um, but yeah, I guess we can get into it. Basically, like we're gonna just like last week we talked about the uh, the, the 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 background stuff and like how it all kind of came together, and then this week's very kind of single uh singly single themed. You know, we're just talking about the production basically. That's but there's a lot to talk about. So yeah. So as we mentioned last time, it was filmed in a really tight tight schedule. I think it was 32 days was the was the total time and it was um around in and around LA which actually surprised me. I thought it was uh I thought it was it shot in Chicago or around Chicago. Yeah. Well, I I knew that it wasn't because I was reading about them having inserted certain like shots of sh- second unit footage of oh, Chicago. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, pretty common practice uh, when you don't actually film something in the place that it's yeah, set. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I, I note that it is it is shot in what looks like the summer of Chicago. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> it's like <laughs> if it was set in the winter, then I don't think they'd be able to duplicate L.A. No, they would not to be like yeah, well, that. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, they would not be able to do winter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was shot mostly in LA, and Wayne and Garth's hood, like the where the house was, was in San Fernando Valley, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh yeah, because that uh, I don't know that gives me like a totally different vibe. But really, it's all just you know suburban America. Well, I mean, the San Fernando Valley is just essentially in a giant suburb. Exactly, just suburban America. It's all got a <laughs> yeah uh, a vein of similarity to it. But yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> as you said, establishing shots Chicago, but. The uh the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting was that Cassandra's loft, which was in Hollywood, uh, has been used mm-hmm. in uh, other films, specifically in Inception. Is it like an actual loft that people? Yeah, rent? well, <laughs> like... Leo uses it as like his workshop, and he's like some like you know. Oh, so it's now like it like Leo is the current tenant. Yeah, there? it's like you know how he. I I forget. I haven't seen that movie in so long, but like basically, you know how like. I don't. I, does Leo work for some sort of organization? I forget. Or is he independent in that movie? Anyway, point is, he. he it's man. That movie's so fucking confusing. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really remember <laughs> much of it. But point being, it's Leo's loft, and that's hilarious because. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Cassandra has not made it yet in this movie, as we pointed out last no. week. But somehow she affords to live. Maybe maybe rent's a lot cheaper in Chicago. Yeah, I don't know. We should look up what rent was or like. Or Aurora, Illinois. In Aurora in, uh, in the early 90s. Yeah. Probably wasn't. I have no idea. Well, it's probably a lot cheaper than it is yeah, now. Old. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Chicago's been like. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, so as we were talking about, they filmed it like in a summer. I thought it was really hilarious the way Lauren Michaels was talking about it. He was like, he was like, Oh yeah, you know, it was everybody's commitment to the show, so everybody knew they had to be back by Labor Day, and I was like, I mean, that's just because you're forcing them, Lauren. Like, you could give these two guys a week off of SNL. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he could have done it. Like, it's not like it's this big... Also, is he not getting... Is he not, like, an executive producer on this movie or something? He is, yeah. Okay. So it's just funny that I think like that I think that's a really good kind of like everything you see about Lord Michaels he seems like a, a kind of like bizarre like silent dictator almost. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, he he's not even executive producer. He's listed as producer. Yeah, there you go. Like I have. It's like he was running both the movie and the show. Yeah. It was entirely on him. Yeah, exactly. Like the schedule was one hundred percent his choice, but he was like, "Yeah, everybody had the commitment to the show, so they knew they had to." Yeah, we. It was just funny. Yeah. But yeah, he said, you know, we had a lot to achieve in a short period of time. <laughs> it's like again, mm. Lauren, this is this is all you. <laughs> I mean, it's possible that you know, it is possible that he, you know, let them take a week off and that they didn't want to. It, it, that's very true. Like we'll kind of get into that's not the vibe I'm getting. No, though. me neither. Like, and we we we'll get into their kind of perspective in uh, in a second. But like in in terms of like like uh, acting, like. Specifically, Mike Myers, but like uh, all the other guys too, were super impressed with how professional Rob Loeb was. <laughs> oh yeah, because, he seems like a very professional guy. Well, yeah, and also he had like acted on a movie before. <laughs> Whereas, Mike- oh right, I guess like was this Mike Myers' first? Yeah, movie? this is his first time on a film set. I guess he he'd only ever been on television before exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so like Rob Lowe was saying, Mike didn't know what like you know what like the marks were because you know SNL didn't use marks because they had so many. They don't. Right. Okay. Like, I think they did like technically have them, but he said like you know it's with right. the pre- with the multiple camera setup. If you're like if you're not on your mark, they just switch cameras, so it's not really like oh I see like a huge yeah. deal. Um, but you know obviously it, it's also it's live, right? So it's like you know yeah, someone's not gonna yell at you to skid on your mark. Yeah. Which, uh, speaking of this, though, this is super interesting, which I did not pick up at all. Um, a- apparently, Dana said that he coached Rob Lowe kind of on how to do like sort of a Lauren Michaels for the for the Benjamin character. Oh, really? <laughs> so like very loosely. I I don't know if it's the mannerisms or or what. Like, what about it? Right. Like, but loosely based, <laughs> which I thought is just so funny because he's the villain and like. Just openly did mm-hmm. that, and Dana Carvey openly talked about that too, which I thought was funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. But <laughs> Dana Carvey's Lord Michaels impression will come up later. It's it's extremely. Oh, has he done it publicly? Uh, we'll talk about it later. It's extremely relevant. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a thing he's quite proud of. Um, okay. <laughs> But yeah, so speaking of Dana Carvey, he was talking about like when they uh, when they like first were filming it, kind of how interesting it was, like because these characters had never been on like film before, you know, they'd only done like sketches. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they like got to the first like wide shot they were gonna shoot, and they're like, "Holy shit, how?" Right, because all the sketches are inside, like you know, his basement. Yeah, it's all right? Wayne's World. They're all sitting. So it's like they don't have anywhere to exactly. go. Exactly, they're all just sitting. Like it's them sitting on a couch, like bouncing up and down, laughing and telling one-liners. You know, there's like there's no yeah exactly there's no dimension to it. But all of a sudden, they have to like you know walk, and it's like oh shit, we didn't really consider that. Yeah, like, what does this character walk like? Yeah, so he was saying they like uh uh, uh they were like strutting around the parking lot, just trying to figure it out until they like kind of came. Up with like you know, the signature like walk when they get out of the pacer at the uh, what's the club called? Uh, the, ga- the gas, gas works. Or the something? gas works. Something like that. But yeah, like they, one second when they hop out of the pacer and like strut across. <laughs> so fucking gas funny. Works. Yeah, the gas works. But yeah, so they they like had to had to figure that out. And yeah, so yeah, he was just talking about yeah. Dana Curry talked a lot about that kind of extra dimension that the film 
added to it that mm-hmm. is like not in the sketch. But and on that similarity, Mike Myers was talking about the like insane difference between like the atmosphere of a film and SNL. Yeah, like I mean SNL is a very specific like, you know, skill set that you're working out, right? Yeah, and there's not really any other thing. I mean, I guess you've got like other late night shows are kind of similar, but I don't think they're quite to the same unless you're the host. I'd say that probably the host of a late night show is probably operating at a higher uh, a, a, a higher cylinder than I don't know, fucking firing at more cylinders than a than an SNL cast member. But that's yeah. like a, kind of a side point. I mean, I'm sure he's he's probably not used to just like having to go in and like do the same scene like over and over and over again. Yeah, that must have been like really weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, and I don't know how he adapted to it. Yeah, well, I mean, it came out well, so. And he continued to do more films after that, so I'm sure he did okay. Yeah, successful films, too. And Rob Lowe yeah. was saying that he seemed to uh, adapt to it pretty quickly. Like, yeah. Uh, which, you know, obviously he did. But yeah, speaking about the uh, the difference in atmosphere t- between uh, uh, working on the set and SNL, he was describing, Mike Myers was, he was describing uh, uh, the SNL studio as the tiniest studio in the world um, where you'd be doing a sketch where, they, you know, they'd be building like three other sets <laughs> behind you mm. um, for the rest of the sketches. So they're really like drilling or something. And then he also said, and then a guy drops a whole bucket of nails while you're in the middle of a, you know, uh, a sketch, which I thought yeah. seemed like too specific of an example to have not actually. Well, happened. so you mean it, it, it happened? I feel like that. You think it definitely happened? Like he mentioned it. It was so specific. Like a, he said, a guy dropping a whole bucket of nails while you're shooting. He just had it ready and loaded. Right. I don't know. Clearly happened. I, that's my, that's my theory. <laughs> uh, he said, yeah. So like shooting in a, a SNL from a, to a, to a film set is like going from Times Square to a Buddhist retreat um, because of like how being the film set is a, is a Buddhist yeah, retreat yeah exactly yeah yeah sorry is it my... that's that's it's, it's a very interesting way of describing a 34 day shoot I know right I know I, <laughs> it's like it's I mean I've never been on a Buddhist retreat maybe Mike has but uh... yeah he you know he made that that movie that's oh god the love guru to, to oh yeah to put it as far as i understand um <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's just weird i think yeah that he 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 it was like 32 days i think everybody else kind of like talking about it considers it extremely hectic he's like yeah i don't know it's a buddhist yeah retreat. exactly it's really it's a buddhist retreat man well i don't know maybe snl is just really fucking hectic it i probably mean is. from all i've heard about it and from people <laughs> i've talked about it yeah. it kind of seems like when people like come out of snl they come out like like you know weathered and weary yeah <laughs> and like it's it's like a strange type of person who stays on for a long time you know like seth myers like right so the uh i was looking into the donut shop cuz i was trying to figure out what it was like originally you know, Stan Nikita's donut that we talked about last time. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. The Tim Hortos. Uh, yeah. I- I- equivalent. Although, interior doesn't look like Tim Hortons. <laughs> no, no, it's just the concept. I mean, maybe more in the 70s. I don't know what they looked like. Yeah, it's true. Or, yeah, I, you know, Cause that, uh, I don't know. Did they used to use actual ceramic mugs? Yeah, I think. Because that, that seemed really weird to me. But, I mean, maybe coffee shops 
or like specifically like Tim Hortons used to do that. I don't I know. I think they were like way more of like a regular regular kind of cafe before they were bought by restaurant brands international. Right. Which I even I think before that they were going way more the way of like a fast food joint. But even like, you know, they were bought by yeah. restaurant brands international. I forget when that was, but anyway. Yeah, but I mean before that they were also like I mean, I always kind of remember them being what they are right now, right? Yeah, but again, they've gotten like super, like they've gotten like super McDonald's in the last five years. This is a whole side note. We're talking about photos yeah. now, but Duck. <laughs> but yeah, like the so it was an old flower shop apparently, which I found kind of weird because like the outside looked that's interesting. The outside looked so much like a donut shop. <laughs> and that was the 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 outside and the inside are the same place. Uh, that's what I gathered. Because you could see the inside okay. from the outside shots. That's true. From yeah. what I recall. Oh yeah, that reminds me. Cause like, cause you know, like, it's it seems like almost planned out that like Garth is driving everywhere. It seems like it's the Mirth Mobile is 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 like his, you know. But that's what it seems like. That's what I always thought. Apparently. But although Wayne is driving it in a couple scenes, like where he shows off his. His sick new CD player. Oh, that's right. Well, apparently Mike couldn't drive <laughs> when they started shooting. Oh, really? Because he apparently he was saying, "Yeah, I grew up well, growing up in Scarborough. I never learned how to drive." <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't match up with what I know of Scarborough. I know. I know. I think. Well, and also because he did the uh, the the Bohemian Rhapsody stuff, like we talked about. That was, you know, his actual experience. Who was driving in that scene? Uh, Garth. That was Garth, right? Because he puts it like because Wayne puts him. Yeah, tank. he picks up Garth. I think we'll Which do Bohemian Rhapsody, a little Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent choice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know what I was just reading that that was like apparently an issue. I guess they ex- they planned on having Wayne drive, and maybe they even like wrote that in, and like Mike didn't clue in or something that he, yeah, he would have to, to do it. So I mean, although. Is he ever actually driving? Like, like Garth? Garth? I, th- I don't. No, or sorry, Dana is like, cause I feel like generally you don't. No, have I don't think so. Drive. I think there might be a, f- a few scenes where For like real. when like it pulls up and pulls away, like where you see him. But uh, okay, I, I yeah, could yeah, be yeah. mistaken about that. But yeah, you're. That's a good point. Uh, it seems unlikely that in most actual like outsides, like not in the car scenes, that there's no reason for the actors to be driving. Just a guy with a wig on. Yeah, I mean, because it's like, just because you know how to act doesn't necessarily mean, like, that you're a good driver. Because, I mean, even a simple driving thing in a film, you have to be able to replicate yeah, the exact You gotta, like, act over drive. Over again, right? It's a thing, you know? Yeah, which is, I'm assuming, not something yeah, a lot of people it's practice. True. It's probably a very specific set of skills. I don't know. I bet you I bet you Tom Cruise probably <laughs> Oh, well, of course. Can do it. Of course he does. He yeah. knows how to do everything like that. That's that's yeah. Shortly after, shortly after he went up in a in a jet because uh, uh what's his name? Why am I blanking on his name? The guy who sent him up. Uh, Bruckheimer. Oh, Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he vomited. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's it. Aside, talking about Top Gun yeah, there for a minute, but Top Gun, yeah, first episode, good, good throwback. Um, but yeah. So <laughs> apparently the, the 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 whole thing was going by so so quickly that Spheris was saying um that sometimes she only had time to do one or two takes which 
a few things she said seemed honestly a little bit contradictory. Mm-hmm. Like, because she said that also, like, for example, the uh, the 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 headbang scene that we we're just talking about, the Bohemian Rhapsody scene. That apparently they did like over ten takes of. I mean, yeah, I heard that that was a scene. tough scene to actually do. Uh, yeah, and I didn't really get any information on specifically why it was like, like they were redoing it. But obviously, well, she wasn't getting what she wanted. I think that Mike Myers got like whiplash or something. <laughs> well, we'll talk. He did. He did. Okay. They all did. They okay. all did. We'll get more into that. But like, um. Yeah, like, she's a little contradictory about a, a couple of things. It's like, because she also says at one point, like, mm. she would do a take for each creative person. You know, she would do her take and then uh, Mike's take and then blah, 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 blah. Um, right. But we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that. But anyway, she was saying she, uh, at first she was saying she only had, sometimes only had time to do, like, one or two take takes, mm-hmm. um, which was, like, you know, uh, uh, kind of interesting. Well, I mean, that makes it, sense, you know? given their schedule, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, like watching the interviews with like, uh, uh, Mike and, and Dana, they both like admitted that it was definitely like a quick shoot, but, but because they were used to SNL, they were like, neither of them were really like, yeah, it's like going in. Yeah. I guess like the amount of stuff you have to churn out in a short period of time in SNL is way more than that. Yeah. You've got like one week to like put together an entire show right i mean yeah you exactly have to do it whereas, yeah. whereas here you've got they've got four weeks and you know mike was just saying it was like you know uh it was like a dream to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and they so they shot very long days and uh and a lot of night shoots which apparently which Spheris was saying is like uncommon for a comedy, which doesn't really make sense to me because you'd think a lot of comedies would have. What? Would have night? Well, I mean, they yeah. could be doing day for night. That's true as well. Yeah. Um, and apparently she was like, yeah, we were shooting in the summer, so it can be, it can be tricky because it's only dark for so long. So they were like rushing Yeah, through. I mean, in LA, I think as well. Yeah. Wait, I'm trying to think. Is it worse here because of the angle? I, I don't know. Are the nights longer? I think they are actually longer up here. Well, how In the long? summer. In the winter, they're shorter. Okay, I'm pretty confident I'm right. From what I remember, I'm, sure I'm a strong you, I, man. I, I, <laughs> um, um, near the pole, like closer to the poles, the, the extremes. Like, you know, night is longer in the wintertime and and yeah. night is shorter in the summertime. Yeah. Whereas closer to the equator, they stay closer together. Anyway, that's uh, uh, again. Anyway, that well, point being is that they were yeah, they were they were the short nights, so they yeah. were like <laughs> trying to rush to beat the sun. Uh, and there were some sh- scenes uh, I saw, like some like a, a, a behind the scenes photographs where uh, Penelope Spears looks very stressed, and she's like shouting into a megaphone, and like it's a nighttime shoot. I mean, it's, I it's mean, everybody's probably set. exhausted, right? If it's yeah, like I don't know how long they've been up before that. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I feel like seasoned film people have like a fucking skewed concept of like stress. <laughs> what do you mean? They're and, just like, more used to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, just because like it seems like the fucking film industry is so stressful for that. 
because everybody was like, oh yeah, it was super, it was a super relaxed shoot. And then I see these still images and everybody's like, got compar- like, like, comparatively super relaxed. Exactly. And everybody's got these like stressed out looks on their faces and like, you know, they're like, we have to rush to beat the sun. We only have 32 days. Like, oh my God, that's relaxed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but like, you know, on that like note, well, I mean, was saying, I mean, this, that makes sense. Like, I mean, like, you know, we've talked about it plenty of fucking in, in the, on this show, we've talked about plenty of instances that are way worse than this. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So like, a, like, like I'm sure actually... none of this compares to, like, being on a Kubrick set, right? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, this is a fucking dream. Yeah, no, yeah, you're it's right. Like, it's like, this is a Buddhist street. It's a year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it is. It is. Good point. Once um, again, I don't know what a Buddhist retreat is actually like, so maybe no, it's No, nor do hectic. I. It's, it's true. It could be a fucking stressful... Yeah. Uh, event. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. But uh, on that, like the that kind of note of like fast and stressful. Uh, Dana Carvey was saying that Spears was like a super efficient director, and she was like, she was actually really good for the type of characters that they had because like, okay, they had. She was saying like, yeah, we have these like already super established characters, so we don't really need to like you know we don't they didn't need like a director to like, you know help them figure out what the characters would do you know what i mean mm-hmm. they just needed like they didn't need so much direction exactly they just needed somebody to move the fucking ship along yeah, exactly um and that's what she did apparently she was saying apparently he said that uh, a quote from him about her is she was like he would like do a bit for her and she was like that's great. If you can do that in 27 seconds, we'll put it in. <laughs> yeah, that kind of like fits with her background in documentary, right? How do you mean? Because well, in do- in documentary you already have the character. You don't get to That's make true. up your own characters. You just get to choose how you film them. I mean, in a lot of ways this is a documentary. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like the the characters exist already, yeah. sort of. Well, no, no, it, it is. It totally is. Like I mean, from her perspective, at least. Yeah, and yeah. that's why she was such a good director. Yeah. I think for, for it. Not everybody agreed with that, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that a bit later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there wasn't, you know, this is kind of the movie where you'd expect a lot of ad-libbing, and I think there was like a fair bit, but I think also because it was so tight and because it was supposed to be, you know, it's a film, and they have to be, there are a couple the... of lines that I know are ad libbed. Yeah, such as uh, when they're talking about Bugs Bunny. <laughs> a bunch of that is ad libbed. Yeah, the whole yeah. car stuff is, I think, mostly ad libbed. <laughs> yeah. Um, according to Rob Lowe, the when they're in his apartment and they're ordering uh, uh, Chinese food, the cream of some young guy joke. Yeah. Um, was it improvised? Apparently. Um, I didn't really get that one. It's just because it sounds like Chinese, but I don't. I don't get what the word the, like the cream of some young guy. Yeah, it's a guy's jizz, his cream. Oh, oh, I just got that. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the cream of some young guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't know why I didn't make that connection. It's pretty. I. Uh, I think it's it's a bit silly but it's it's kind of funny i mean i'm surprised that made it into the film (laughs) well that's the thing is apparently there was fierce debate on (laughs) set or whether or not it was funny (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) it is funny and 
in a certain uh, way just because how fucking stupid it is it's such a it's a wayne campbell joke it's perfect yeah. it's such a like it's not yeah. really funny like standalone like if you but it's almost more joke, funny because of how funny he thinks it is yeah exactly his reaction to it is so hilarious he's just like yeah. giggling at it it's so funny and everybody <laughs> yeah. else him and garth uh but that's yeah. the thing apparently rob lowe says he insisted that it was hilarious and like right said they so had we have to rob to thank for that being in there well yeah apparently according to rob during the during the test screening um the laugh for the some young guy joke was so big that it 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 actually drowned out the next few lines oh so, really yeah so in the final cut they added a huge pause after the joke to fill oh, space. Oh, to, to allow people to, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 let's, that, I think that's hilarious. So that his reaction to the joke is probably like an add-in. <laughs> that, that's hilarious, yeah. They needed to let it go for a few seconds. Yeah, but I think that makes it even funnier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hilarious. Yeah, his reaction to it is so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, the as you were saying, the hood of the car scene also. Ad-libbed. Yeah, that was ad libbed, um. and it was also <laughs> interestingly like stitched together because uh, the uh, the Mike Myers was apparently genuinely laughing in the. In oh the yeah, no, cut. he looked like he was actually laughing at that. Yeah, the bug bunny line. Like... <laughs> uh, apparently, he wasn't actually laughing at that line. It was some. Oh, he was laughing else. at something else. Something else, but they just stitched it together. Right. Okay. But, you know, you can. I feel like I could. You could always tell that that la- laugh seemed slightly out of character. Mm. You know what I mean? It just seemed ever well, so slightly. Well, because it was not. It was real. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I find that super interesting to learn. Yeah. That like it's such a humanizing part of the film in a way. Yeah. That just just because of like the Mike Myers was saying, you know, it's it's really it's a film about friendship. You know, it's like yeah, it's it is. And uh, that's kind of what the you know that that moment is kind of the peak of that whole dynamic their their moment on the hood of the car there so uh, uh i was watching an interview with uh, tia carrera yeah and she was talking about the uh quote bedroom scene <laughs> the the gratuitous sex scene exactly <laughs> the, the gratuitous sex scene as they say on screen as yeah, as it as flashes on screen. Um, so apparently, Mike more or less kind of improvised that the kind of half naked shenanigans while Cassandra's on the phone. Like yeah, they kind of had an idea of what he was gonna do, but when they actually started filming, he like actually obviously went full blown what have you and like you know exposed his butt cheeks in a oh really? Well, no, I mean you saw it. It's on film. Oh. It's in oh, the is final it? cut. He, he just is pulls what... his underwear. He, like, gives himself a massive wedgie. That's just oh, funny. okay. Just, yeah. I thought you like... meant, like, he fully took us. No, like, no, he, he hasn't like... fully exposed no. his butt cheeks. No, no, he no. Didn't, no. I just he mean... didn't Austin Matthews it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not. He did not Austin Matthews it. Um... Although, technically, there was no technically. cheek. Technically. Technically, not. <laughs> there was no cheek. Yeah. <laughs> no cheek, allegedly. But yeah, so apparently while Tia was saying while they were shooting this, like people on set were like barely able to contain their laughter to not like, you know, ruin the take. Yeah. Which well, again, I mean, that was the whole joke was that Cassandra couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just 
but at least she like actually could because she was acting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know what we forgot to mention last week? What? Is I think that this was the first film appearance of Chris Farley. Was it actually? Yeah, which I found so weird. I to think of. Really, I would assume he would have been in movies before this, but I guess. But, but yeah, his he's in there for like five seconds. He's the uh, he's the security guard, right? Yeah, he's the, the, the one who has who too like, much information. Who has it? Don't you think that's a lot of an information just for a security guard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> it's like it yeah. seemed extraneous at the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, good, good stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I think that was his first. Like, I mean, obviously his his career is uh uh like a like a comet. He fast and explosive because he died in 1997, right? Yep, exactly. And he was in a bunch of movies. Yeah. And his first appearance was in this one in 1992. So, wow, just kind of yeah. goes to show how. So his entire career is like in film is basically that until his death. Exactly. Wow. And yeah, he was in a lot of movies too. It's like I'm sorry. He's he's just an interesting. He was in this movie. He was in Coneheads, Wayne's World yeah. Two, Airheads, Billy Madison, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, Beverly Hills Ninjas, Almost Heroes, and Dirty Work. Yeah. Anyway, I just I thought that was an interesting note because we forgot to mention his presence in this movie last time. Yeah, since it's his first film, it's just interesting. Did we also you mention know, the Meatloaf cameo? No, we didn't. We forgot yeah. to mention the Meatloaf cameo. Yeah. So he's Meatloaf the... is the bouncer at the Gasworks, right? <laughs> is there any other cameos you can think of? Um, that while we're on it, uh, well, there was Alice Cooper who we mentioned. Uh, oh, Robert Patrick. Mm-hmm. This was a okay. This is a joke that probably doesn't like age super well. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because, like, I feel like not a lot of people are gonna get the reference. No. But you know, uh, basically, Robert Patrick, who played uh, the Terminator in Terminator Two, yeah. like he played the T one thousand, the sort of liquid guy. He is briefly in this movie where he stops away and, and he does the bit that he does in Terminator 2 where he's like, have you seen this boy? <laughs> and that's why he's so afraid because he's thinking he's the T-1000. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was lost on me. I totally didn't realize that. Because you yeah. haven't recently seen Terminator 2. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time, yeah, it makes sense. When did Terminator 2 come out? Uh, 1990, I think 1992. So it would have been, yeah. Right. 1991, 1991. Yeah, so it was perfectly, it was yeah. a, a time. Everybody had reference. seen that, and it was a huge success, that film. Yeah, yeah. Some, isn't Terminator 2 debatably better, in some people's opinion? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't have an opinion on it. I just, I, isn't it not a I fiercely to debated topic? It. Sorry? Is it not it, a yeah, fiercely debated topic? Yeah, I think some people think that. Uh, I don't know what i would say i haven't seen either of them in a little while yeah i have no i have no current opinion on it but uh terminator 2 is obviously uh the one with all the alias connections so <laughs> yeah i i certainly hear about it a lot <laughs> right 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 because yeah 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 uh what was i gonna say so yeah that was that's hilarious i gotta i'm gonna have to keep that in mind next time i watch it uh, next time we watch one's world yeah, or yeah, yeah terminator 2 but well, both. I'll, yeah. I gotta, you know, yeah, I have to get the reference in my brain. 
but yeah, as we're talking about, a lot of night shoots, a lot of night shoots in Wayne's World. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of this movie that happens at night. Yeah, which is which is which is interesting. Specifically, the the Bohemian Rhapsody scene that we were talking about earlier, <laughs> uh, which took a lot of takes. Apparently, that was one shot overnight, and uh, yeah, like you said, Mike got whiplash. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I have done. I've gotten whiplash from headbanging. Yeah, it can happen. It can happen. It's 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 a lot of it's a lot of uh, pressure on the neck. It um, really but is. apparently they did like a, a over ten takes, and like Mike wanted to like stop. He was like, "We gotta stop. Like I I need Advil. Like I'm throwing out my over neck. over ten takes of the whole song." I don't know how much, but I think yeah. of the specific like like the big drop. And according to Mike, he says, "Yeah, if you if you look closely in the movie, there like the, every scene that we shot for the next couple of days, like uh, his and Dana's necks are like noticeably stiff, so you can see oh, them yeah? like, turning their whole shoulders and like so if you like see in the <laughs> movie that it looks like." Wayne or Garth's neck is stiff. It's because yeah. Do you know is. when they filmed that scene? Like in terms of like what stage of filming? Like near not, the end or near the beginning? Sorry? I do not unfortunately know right. when they shot that. Um, <clears throat> it would be interesting to know though, because um, the the beef which we briefly mentioned and which we will mention earlier, this scene is brought up a lot in reference mm. to it. Uh, but we'll talk about that more later. This is an amazing. Oh, sorry. The last before we get into this detail. Sorry. The last detail about the uh, the the Bohemian Rhapsody scene is you know how Garth's like not mouthing the words properly. Yeah. That was not on purpose. Oh, did <laughs> because <laughs> Tina didn't actually didn't know the words. He didn't know the words. He didn't know the words, and he was like, uh, he was gonna learn them, but hadn't learned them by the time they were shooting the close-up, and I don't even think he realized that that part was his close-up. Oh, so, so was he singing the words from, like, the wrong part of the song? No, or, no. Or he was, or he was doing... It. Right, okay. He was doing it in character, but right. it was, yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> That's it funny. It wasn't on purpose. It was because he actually didn't know the words. Yeah. But, yes, this 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 next detail is is one of my favorite details about the whole movie that I learned in the process of looking it up. Um, so you know the scene where Garth hits that hand with the hammer? Yeah. So, according to Dana Carvey, there was a subtext in the script that read that Garth was building this hand to kill Benjamin. So then when it starts twitching, he thinks it's going to attack Benjamin right there. So oh. he, starts attack- he starts hitting it with the hammer. Yeah. Uh, so but obviously this subplot never made it to the film. I don't think, I don't. I don't think it was ever going to be part of it. It was just this, like I think that was just this one scene was like, uh, kind of this little thing where because Benjamin was ruining ruining the show, Garth was building yeah. his hand to kill him. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and it, it was really kind of it's kind of a confusing scene. I think it's hilarious because it like just gives you like yeah. Shows you. Well, I think it's just like hey, this is some of the random shit Garth does when you're not paying exactly. attention. You know Garth's what I mean? an oddball doing weird shit. Um, yeah. And it kind of shows yeah. that he's like a little bit techy as well. That We already saw that a bit, yeah. but, you know. With the with the homemade taser. Exactly, but we get more of that. Made from Radio Shack parts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, um, but yeah, apparently, like that scene didn't really read amazingly well with test audiences. Like, yeah. But uh, Lauren Michaels was adamant that it stayed in <laughs> for some okay. reason. Um, and he told Dana, "Was like, you're gonna see this on TV in years, and you're gonna be incredibly satisfied when you see that scene and you know that subtext." <laughs> <laughs> That's such a weird reason to keep something in the movie, but it just again it speaks. I mean, whatever. It's 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 fine in the movie. I think it works. I think it's but, hilarious. Yeah. I love it, and knowing yeah. the subtext makes it even better. It is funny, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, apparently Rob Lowe said. So that he said the two thi- the two hardest things for him to do in this film, in this order, were the extended eye contact in that scene with Garth. Um. <laughs> And second was learning <laughs> Cantonese for his scene where he had to speak Cantonese. Right, and he had to do it like well. Too. Yeah, he had to because he, he was a like like Mike Myers could at least like you know his pronunciation didn't have to be perfect. Exactly, you know? exactly. So he said, yeah, he said he sat, he had a tape um, that he you know just for the one scene. Yeah, too, exactly. Right? And he like he had geez. every morning he listened to it and had to like because again, as you said, he had to be good at it. Yeah, exactly. So I I assume he just learned the one part that was his lines, right? Yeah, presumably it was just like, he... like I don't think you know Rob Lowe can speak. No, <laughs> no, neither can uh, Tia Carrera. She also said it was incredibly difficult. Right? Yeah, because I was wondering. I brought this up last episode. I was like, can she actually? Yeah, speak she it? cannot. And she was like, yeah, I I like it was so hard. Like on top of all my lines, I also had to learn all these Cantonese lines and like how to like pronounce them and everything. Yeah, and she was like, "Yeah," and on top of that, I had no idea what Mike was saying. <laughs> right? Who you seem to claim does actually speak Cantonese? It's, it is confirmed. He knew Cantonese prior to <laughs> shooting. That's amazing. Yeah, and he said, "That's really impressive." A quote from him was, "Yeah, it was like it was just a chance for me to use my Cantonese." So he put it in. He put it in the script there on purpose. So yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so. So that was the entire reason for making Cassandra from but, Hong Kong, just so he could put in. So he could speak Cantonese, <laughs> Cantonese. in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, sorry, she's not from Hong Kong. She's from Kowloon Bay. She's from Kowloon Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Because because uh, Rob Lowe yeah. picked that up because of his excellent exactly. Cantonese. <laughs> exactly. You could tell her accent. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, speaking along the lines of that sort of that idea. So, did you know that Dana actually plays that drum solo? No, I did not. That's pretty good. It's a it, it's a good drum solo. It's it's good stuff. Um, he he says something along the lines of this is kind of a paraphrase, but he says like, if I were a musician, you know, I would be terrible. But because I'm a comedian, people say that and they think, hey, that's pretty good. Well, exactly. It's like, <laughs> I. I think I was just a, impressed a, by the fact that, hey, he actually played it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, when you watch a bit, it's not, like, even as, like, you know, a musician, it's still, like, it's pretty good. It's yeah. Not, it's good, well done. Like, I think what he's probably saying is, like, if you put me in the context of, like, being a drummer. Yeah, he'd be like, this be is an okay drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah anyway, it was just, I thought that was just interesting little. Uh, so, but does Wayne, does, uh. Mike Myers actually played the diddly diddly diddly. I think I mean you can see him doing it. Like yeah. I don't think he's there's really anything actually happening. And uh, the the first couple notes to stare at Alan. 
<laughs> no That's stairway. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> no stairway. <laughs> I forgot to look into that because I've definitely heard lore about that before. Well, because, I mean, like, as someone who's been in many guitar stores, you know? Yeah, I've been in you many guitar definitely, stores. Definitely, you know, uh, it's definitely true facts that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that was popularized from this film, right? But yeah, but um, like, at guitar stores, that's a joke from this film. But that was a, I feel like I've read that that was a thing at a lot of guitar stores prior to this film as well. Like that, what that there's no stairway. Yeah, like that was like a yeah. joke. I, like I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like so, don't quote me on this. I don't know if I've ever heard somebody play stairway at a guitar store. Yeah, but that's what I seem to recall is that like it was drawn from like reality where like right. there was a guitar store that didn't allow people to place their way that's hilarious that, like one of the writers i like let me just look that up real quick see if it's like a quick google search there's no stairway denied the inside star boy in world's most unintentionally complicated gag <laughs> uh it's been 25 it's a gq article yeah <laughs> it's been 20 blah 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 there's one joke that stuck with more than anything else Starts a jam, but a few notes, the clerk grabs the neck of the guitar, points to a sign hanging nearby, no stairway to heaven. No stairway. Denied, says Wayne as he turns to the camera. The gag is at the expense of wannabe guitar heroes who get just good enough to pluck out the yeah. opening notes. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the vibe. I, Because, I, I mean, you know you know the, the sounds you hear when you walk into a guitar. Exactly, show. yeah. Um and immediately rush off to show everyone what they've accomplished. Uh, the songs, the scene struck a chord with music store employees who gritted their teeth through innumerable halting performances of Stairway through the 1970s and 80s. One guitar <laughs> forum suggests yeah. Sweet Home Alabama, Smoke on the Water, and Blackbird should be added to the list. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely Smoke on the Water. I mean, and Blackbird, too. Yeah, <laughs> this is hilarious. Today you can still buy a... Uh, no Stairway to Heaven signs modeled after the one in the movie, and one Seattle guitar store offers a 15% discount for any customers who can play Stairway on the condition that they play the song all the way through without making a single error. 15%. And if you can't, That's they hit you good. with a broom. And there's a video here of them hitting somebody <laughs> with a broom, like swatting them with a broom. Okay. Um, let's just see. Let me just scroll through no errors. this article real quick and see if there's... Um, so apparently there was a longer, more recognizable version in it, and Led Zeppelin refused the rights for even the first few notes. Really? Well, that's, that's, that fits with what I know so there about you go. how they approached. We were told yeah. that we could only use two notes before we'd have to pay $100,000. <laughs> Jeez. So I guess classic. That's a that's a quote from Penelope Spheris, the hundred thousand dollars. I don't know this to be absolutely true, but somebody told me that in the first that first version of the movie we play too many notes, so they had to go back and edit a note or two out. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah, that's 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 funny. So it doesn't seem like in this quote they they mention the thing that I said. So maybe that's not true about right it being a real. But but it, it yeah it's it's a, it, the joke is what I thought it was. Yeah, the <laughs> so joke like, is, you know. is is a reference to that idea of people doing that. Yeah. Um, but you know, haven't heard Stairway. Yeah, I can't say that I ever have. I feel like I was with Noah once and he started playing Stairway at a store with somebody. Did you did you deny him? 
No, no, I think it was a, it was a, it was this pointed joke because there was a sign that said no stairway. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> I think he knew somewhere. Anyway, um, yeah. Speaking of the music, did you know the Dream Weaver when he sees Cassandra for the first time? So that track Dream was Dream Weaver. <laughs> Dream Weaver. It's a great, great little bit. Yeah, and they re-recorded <laughs> that. Gary Wright oh, re-recorded really? that for this <laughs> for this film. That's hilarious. I Presumably for some royalty reason. I guess so, yeah, because they, like... Because it probably... Yeah, like, you didn't need to re-record it for, like, plot reasons. No, no, yeah, exactly. It must have been, like, they wanted it, and, you know... It was was cheaper to to actually re-record that five-second clip than to actually, like, pay for the royalties to the song. Exactly, which is hilarious. Like, so stupid how that shit works sometimes, you know? Yeah. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Um, Yeah, what is a relevant and And this is still relevant that the whole conversation is still relevant today. Just want to point yeah. out. Yeah, Incredibly yeah. more so, I think. Yeah, and even like that whole fucking Led Zeppelin thing too, if you think about that whole Yeah, exactly. Stairway to Heaven debacle. Yeah. Um But it's a thing. Yeah. Um But yeah, remember last week we were talking about the band Crucial Taunt? Yeah, great band. Yeah, so I, they are a great band, and I, I looked into it. So they are all musicians, and they are the actual band that play. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of just musicians of various levels around Hollywood. Yeah. There's so a the, couple in that city. Yeah, exactly. And, like, none of them, like, a huge, hugely successful. Most of them just, like, uh, uh, played on a couple soundtracks mm-hmm. or, like, wrote a song for a movie here and there, like, mm-hmm. uh, little stuff like that. Like, they're that. working musicians, you know? Exactly, exactly. And which I just found funny because most of them didn't really do much acting except for this one, except for uh, the one of the guy guitarist, Mark Ferrari, had done a few acting things in other other stuff. But he was mostly he's still he's the most prolific of of the group is the one mm-hmm. of the guys who played guitar. Um, so he's done like dozens of soundtrack jobs since Wayne's World, including he did a song for Donnie Darko and. He's done like tons of tons of soundtracks for movies and TV, but yeah, they're not an actual band though, unfortunately. <laughs> like they didn't play together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what's also weird is there's so you, they played like five. Crucial Taunt plays like five songs in the in the movie, right? But on the soundtrack, only two songs appeared, and the other ones you cannot find anywhere except for in the movie in the like playback of the movie sorry the two songs that they like you can they haven't been released outside of the film yeah sorry they're not they're not on the soundtrack at all they're just in the film and people like (laughs) big fans of this movie i was i was looking on the internet just trying to figure it out people are like clamoring for it (laughs) trying to try yeah i don't know i'd want to get that they like the slow song in particular people want that she's like practicing to when benjamin comes to like Mm. uh meter but yeah like i was saying earlier so everybody said that like the atmosphere on the set was super light, lighthearted, right? Yeah, which doesn't completely match up with some other things that I've heard. Yeah, exactly. And I also mentioned, <laughs> I also mentioned she said, she Spheris said this she would. This is Penelope Spheris, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She said she would shoot things her way, and then shoot things Mike's way, and then shoot things Garth, or sorry, not Garth, Dana's way. Um, I wrote Garth. That's hilarious. Same person. Same thing. Yeah shoot things Dana's way, and then shoot things the Turner's way, which were the other writers, if you recall. I do. 
um, which actually surprised me to hear her mention that because I, I didn't think they would have that much creative control over the final product. But clearly, I don't know. Maybe she was just trying to like you know get everyone. She's trying you know. to be diplomatic here. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and then Spheris said, she said, she then she'd get into the editing room and, quote, choose the best piece, uh, which wasn't always mine. We always we all contributed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, apparently the, it was really well received, her her cut, like yeah. from the test screening. Like Rob Lowe said he, he'll never forget it. He said it was how, uh, incredibly uproarious. Um, and he was, he watched, he saw it with Mike Myers, apparently, and they, like, looked at each other and were like, uh, like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Because they were kind of surprised at how truly, like, like, uproarious, like, how how much people loved it. Yeah, wow. But Mike apparently hated the cut. Really? And was... He said he, he said himself that he was inconsolable about it. (laughs) That's a quote, inconsolable. Right. So is this the is this the version that came out or no? This is like the test cut screening I think had a few minor edits, like, you know, basically the like the the, the pause after the some young guy, Krimu Some Young yeah. Guy joke. But basically, yeah. This is Penelope Spheres version is the one that got made. Um, okay. And apparently it was Lauren Michaels that convinced Mike that this cut was fine. Presumably okay. because audiences loved it. So, like, I yeah. think, like, Mike It's was like, just... I really wouldn't want to mess with it if I were, you know, the producer of the exactly. film, Lord Michaels. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, it was his if first movie. If it was movie. that successful, I'd be like, good. Like, leave it. Leave it. Leave <laughs> yeah, it. Leave it. Leave it. it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's Mike Myers' first film, right? So, yeah, I guess, like he was looking more at his own performance and he was saying, like... Yeah, you know, well, the... the other thing is, it's also, like, the whole character and everything is just like his brainchild, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I can definitely see where he's going from when, like, you know, imagine that he, that once he sees, like, other people, like, you know, making choices about the film that aren't necessarily the choices that he would make, you know? Yeah. Given totally. that it's, his, the character is so close to his heart that he would definitely, like, you know, not react well to that. Absolutely. Absolutely, I could see that as well. And like, yeah, he's like, I saw a bunch of bits that were like, you know, not working or whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, the audience loved it, so yeah, what have you. But this is kind of what brings us to our next segment, which is uh, all about the beef. The beef. Yeah. What segment would that be? It's where we get to the bottom of it. <laughs> So what kind of beef are we talking about? Like cattle mutilation and extraterrestrials? Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, crop circles, uh, that whole situation. Yeah. No, no, no. This is this is we're following, and I feel like all our truths have been quite tr- like real, quite lately. truthy lately. Yeah. So we'll you have to change that, that sooner or later, but you know. <laughs> are you saying that? No, you know... no, 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 no. I'm not implying what you are about to say. Not at all. Aliens what? are as truthy as anything else. 
<laughs> That's what I was going to say. Exactly. <laughs> I beat you to it because I am... Are you saying that we haven't always been truth slayers and lie slayers? We are always truth slayers and lie slayers. That's the point of this segment. That's why <laughs> we're truth that's... slayers. Sorry, what? Truth sayers, lie slayers. Sorry, uh, we are. Well. Pardon? I think says what? <laughs> <laughs> I said pardon, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah. I win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is the truth. We're going to get to the bottom of the truth. Um, and what we're getting to the bottom of this week is the beef, which we've been alluding to for the last two episodes. Right. Uh, so some personalities in this film seem to have some serious beef with each other. Yeah. So do you want to just go through what you're familiar with and then I'll, I'll go so through So I'm the... aware, like, Specifically about the beef between, like, you know, Penelope Spears and uh, um, Mike Myers. Uh, and how, <laughs> apparently, yeah. according to Penelope Spears, like, Mike Myers could be, like, quite the diva. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, um, I don't actually know what Mike Myers said about this, but uh, anyway, anyway... R- Regardless, it seems very much like, you know, he did not bring her back for Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Because like, they didn't get along. The The narrative is that he kind of forced her out of Wayne's World 2 because he hated, as we mentioned, he hated the first uh, uh, cut. He hated the first, like, yeah, first cut of the film. And he mm-hmm. wanted, like, a bunch of changes. And I think... Mm-hmm. Penelope's Ferris a like didn't listen maybe uh, I don't know about this exactly but like didn't listen to his input and made something slightly different than what he wanted and then B like after the fact didn't make the changes that he wanted um so mm-hmm. that's why he didn't bring her back for the second one because he had obviously yeah. tons of control and he was not happy with how she did not listen to him about the cut so but the narrative mostly again is that it was about the cut more than it was about the actual um on his part like like uh, not bringing her back then it was about like the actual on set um, okay dynamic which and uh, about the whole diva thing uh, penelope spheres has a lot of like kind of like um quotes about this it's interesting because i don't know if you're familiar but mike myers has kind of developed that relate that that reputation yeah for being kind of difficult to work with Mm -hmm. um which is interesting because it seems that it comes mostly from this (laughs) really (laughs) yeah which is funny because like most of this is uh penelope spheris is like um shortly after the fact a few interviews i I think it's but mostly just like her annoyed that she was pushed out of wayne's world too kind of like shortly after mm-hmm. the fact but like uh, even recently there was like a re- reunion and like there's the beef does not exist anymore between the two of them like it's not really okay a real so they're thing. they're all cool now yeah i don't think it was ever like truly a real thing i think she just like said a few things to like some under like you know under the radar media people that kind of got out of hand and like you know right 
built up this reputation because the 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 director of the first Austin Powers movie was like, I have no idea where this you know reputation comes from. Like I yeah, I, saw... I mean, also some of that could be like you know. Uh, once again, I was kind of saying like this. I think character was a lot closer to his art than Austin Powers was. <laughs> totally, totally. And yeah. uh, also, this was his first like film, so it's yeah, like he, he probably wasn't used to like the dynamic. Exactly. And everything. Exactly. So that's probably part yeah. of it. You know, there's a lot uh, at yeah. play there. Um, so, do we know if the uh, if it is true that Mike Myers stormed off the set because there was no margarine for his bagel? That <laughs> that is unconfirmed. That she, is unconfirmed. She okay. she said that in an interview at one point, um, and she was talking about that. She said something about him like bitching and whining during the headbanging scene. So okay. clearly she was a bit more annoyed at the time than right. uh, later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think she eventually kind of just was like, there's, it was all, there's no reason to be pissed about it. It was all so long ago. It's so stupid. It's yeah, just exactly. Like, it's just, it's nonsense, you know? Um, but there's more beef. There's more beef. Uh, yeah. If, okay. So you kind of alluded, to, I don't know if this made it onto the show, but, we were kind of talking about uh, beef between uh, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers. Yeah, this is kind of a thing. There was, okay. there was supposedly, and I think a lot of this is also kind of media driven and like not actually that real. Right. Um, but there was, or it's like it's way less intense than it actually was. Exactly, super blown out of proportion. Like, um, it's no Bill Murray and Harold Ramis situation. Right. Um. But they were like, uh, first of all, they weren't really actually very good friends going into it. They were just working right. together, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that the characters are such good friends, I think, kind of, you know, maybe overstates in some people's brains, like, how good friends the actors should be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but anyway, the story goes that, like, apparently the dr evil character and i alluded to this earlier um apparently the dr evil character is kind of a ripoff of dana carvey's lord michael impression oh really which i thought benjamin was lord michael's no well that's the thing is that's why i said is i don't know about verbally but okay if you watch interviews with lord michael's you can absolutely see the way dr evil talks is very much it's a. It sounds a lot like Lorne Michaels, but then if you see Dana Carvey do his Lorne Michaels impression, it's basically Doctor Evil. So mm. I think the beef was basically I think Dana About Carvey him using his impression. Yeah, because Dana Carvey had nothing to do with Austin Powers. Yeah, he did not, and like you know, made no money off of that. And obviously, Mike Myers was wildly successful after Wayne's World, mm-hmm. and made tons of money. And Dana Carvey did like did not really, <laughs> yeah. you know, as we I'm were sure talking he did okay, about. But like, I mean, yeah, exactly. Again, he he had a yeah. career and he was fine and he was obviously extremely talented um, on TV. But just in terms of like like we were talking about last week, he's mostly in our generation known for this this movie. Whereas Mike Myers yeah. is not necessarily like I said. I had a complicated relationship because he's done a lot of terrible movies. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, he's he's done some pretty pretty important ones. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. So, 
So there you go. Um, you know, like, we're not going to talk about the love guru, you know? We don't have to. We don't have to talk about the love guru. That was a, that was a misstep. Everyone's allowed a few missteps. It was so funny. I was uh, There was an interview with uh, Jeff Katzenberg. Um, right. Who... You may or may not like think of as someone who knows Mike Myers quite well, but then you recall DreamWorks um, and Shrek. Oh right, yeah. And the fact that Shrek was like DreamWorks' like first like major, you know, vehicle really. Yeah, really. And that's like all Mike Myers. So they were they were actually apparently quite close. And he was like, uh, they were. I think he was being interviewed about how Mike Myers might have been slipping when the Love Guru came out because I think that was like two thousand eight or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Yeah, to, to to me, to if you to suggest that Mike Myers doesn't have his finger on the pulse of like comedy is offensive." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, "Fair enough, I guess." But I mean, like, since Love Guru, what what movies has he done? He because he took kind of a break from films for a while there. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then he's mostly he appeared in Bohemian Rhapsody, as we briefly mentioned. And he's appeared in some other stuff. He also directed a couple things. Yes. So, um... But anyway, just, sorry, just to quickly wrap up the beef truth um, is the fact that I think, again, it was mostly the fact that they weren't really good friends to begin with. And mm-hmm. I think Dana Carvey was just probably annoyed that he stole that impression. But um, from all, like, accounts of both of them, there's not really any, like lasting real beef um i don't know if there if you're interested at all in that sort of thing you should watch uh dana carvey's comedians in cars getting coffee with jerry seinfeld that's uh one of the better ones okay uh, yeah we'll check it out because he taught he does also briefly he talks about this uh his relationship with mike myers very briefly i believe in that which is why i bring it up um but yeah what were we ta- what were we saying oh i i don't remember I was just uh, seeing if we could find out any recent. Like he hasn't, he hasn't done a ton of little much. Yeah, yeah. Has, I think he has a new TV show though, doesn't he? Does he coming out? Uh oh yeah. Well, he looks like he's actually got a couple things coming up. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's like he's almost due for something new. So it looks like he has a TV miniseries coming out sometime this year, and uh, allegedly uh, Austin Powers four. Allegedly, ooh, interesting. Well, it's been announced apparently. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. We'll see. I don't know. That's gonna be. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that gonna be another Zoolander two? Like, Zoolander two did not go well. We can all yeah, agree. but I mean, I think. I don't know if we talked about this, but uh, kind of like how I think that. I think we might have talked about this when we were talking about the, the good movie versus good book. Yeah. How usually sequels when they slip, it's on the, between the the first and the second one. Right. Because so. it's like, you know, uh, generally sequels only get made of good movies. Yeah. Right. 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 So if if you assume that the quality of any good movie of any movie is independent of you know the movie that came before it, you know, uh most movies are going to be worse than their sequels because people generally make sequels of good movies. Sorry, most sequels are going to be worse than the original Yeah, because people only make sequels of movies that were good. Yeah, exactly. So diminishing returns. Yeah, so whereas I think once you get to the second and third movie, 
third and fourth movie, like the third and the fourth are probably roughly going to be equivalent to the second, right? That is true. And as I recall, the second Austin Powers movie was actually pretty good. Yeah. Which one's that? That's the spy who shagged me, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty um, pretty good gags in that yeah. movie. Anyway, we're we're yeah. drifting. When we we do have we have more a slight a few more Wayne's World things to discuss before we sign off. Um, okay, so is that the truth? That is the, the truth. truth. Is yes. that there was some beef, but slightly exaggerated, probably. There was yeah, extremely exaggerated. I think you have nothing to say about aliens, though. Um, Garth's an alien. <laughs> That's the last thing I have to say. Cool. All right. But yeah, so that is that is the truth. Let's just just a little bit of like kind of aftermath that we should probably talk about mm-hmm. to do with this movie. Like considering it was fucking worldwide phenomenon, as we kind of talked about last week a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Like, it apparently it was so big in, like, the UK that, like, they, like, landed, and Dana Carvey was like, yeah, there was, like, 5,000 screaming teenagers. We were, like, the fucking Beatles. Like, <laughs> it was bizarre. Yeah, um, that's hilarious. Yeah, and as you mentioned last week, Bohemian Rhapsody went to number two on the charts because of this movie, um, which is ridiculous. Was that on Billboard Top, Billboard Hot 100? Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful because there's actually a ton of different charts. Oh yeah, there's a ton of charts, ton of charts. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about the one that matters when people are talking about yeah. chart, the chart, not the Canadian top forty. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's also like you know, top one hundred country or like top one hundred like different genres as well. No, no, this is number two on the Billboard yeah. top one hundred. <laughs> Yeah, Dana Curry, but yeah, Dana Curry was saying it was like a success montage. He was like, "Yeah, we were on the cover of like a ton of magazines and like <laughs> doing like tours and stuff. It was weird." Um, yeah, that's amazing. But and yeah, they made a second one. They made it and super quickly because it was so successful. The second one came yeah. out in 1993. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one in a little while, but I seem to remember it being pretty good. Yeah, I seem to remember it being okay. It definitely doesn't. Yeah. Is not as good as the first one, which is. I think that there are some about. really good bits in the second one. Yeah, that's like, also what I recall. So I think it's there's more like because this this one's quotable, but the second one is too. You know what I mean? Yeah, as I recall, the second like, one maybe and he had doesn't to beat them to death with their own shoes. <laughs> uh, yeah, as I recall, the second one maybe doesn't hold up like as like a plot necessarily as well, but <laughs> the bits yeah. are still pretty fucking good. Yeah, um, exactly. Oh, but yeah, critics. If you book them, they will come. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was reading. Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars. Yeah, saying something along the lines of like he was expecting it to be like a stupid, crass comedy. He was expecting dumb jokes, and he got that. And some but, of them were pretty crass. Yeah, but that's what he said. He's like, and I came in and I got that. But I, what I also got was like a surprisingly. Uh, intelligent film at occasionally at times and like uh yeah exactly. persistently good vibe basically is what he said about it it's just a fun time it's just a watching Wayne's world is always a fun time it is it's just relentlessly good time it's just fun exactly. the whole way through and they so really yeah i totally vibe. yeah totally recommend it to anyone but yeah so that's that kind of like we've bled into final thoughts there yeah, yeah. actually I, I would i would like to highlight something here in my final thoughts uh, yes I would like to give a shout out to costumer, costumer, well the costume wardrobe department in general. Um, but we have here 
Kimberly Gunther, Janet Sobel, Pat Tonema, and Zoe Hale. Uh, I just think that all the costumes in this movie were on point, and I think that's something that doesn't get a lot of credit a lot of times in movies where people just wear, like, normal clothes. That's a good point. I was actually just, I totally forgot to mention this, but, like, it was a note I took when I was watching the movie, is that the t-shirts in this movie are all so good. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, I would also like to specifically point out uh, Benjamin's outfit, which is one of my favorites. At at which point he's got so many. Like near well, the, near the end when he's wearing like like khakis and he's got yeah, like, like that slick back. He's like got like the khaki yeah. jacket and the khaki pants. Yeah, like exactly. It's just so good. It's so good. It is. And it's they, also so much a point in time, like the nineties. Yeah, like, they do. It's a real. It's a really good time capsule movie. But it's like, it's uh the costume. Yeah. Also, just like all the fucking headbangers and they're like uh fucking all the band t-shirts and shit like that. Yeah, they really nail the vibe there and like, yeah. So the Wayne's World hat, is that originally from the movie? Because I noticed in a lot of the sketches he's not wearing the Wayne's World hat. Yes, I think hat. that's a creation from the movie. I don't think that right. existed for the sketches. I think okay. he just wore like a random trucker hat in the sketches. Yeah, and in the earlier, the Canadian ones, he definitely doesn't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the earlier Canadian ones, yeah, just random hats there. Yeah, um... But yeah, I, I thought it was uh, the costumes were definitely on point. Uh, Super on point, yeah. Just a really good vibe. Good music. Good fucking good times. Yeah, know? this is this is probably one of the best movies we've ever covered. Like just all around, in all terms of, <laughs> which is hilarious to think of. Yeah, it's hilarious to say given some of the movies we've covered. Yeah, I know, right? But just like, like it's just, no, but it's, it's like it's so enjoyable, you know. What and I mean? it's not over ambitious. It's exactly what it is, you know. It's like yeah, it's these characters having a great time, and they succeeded at well, making and it. Some a bad time at some point. And a bad time, but even like there's that time where he's like, he's like, everything's like bad for like one second, and then the camera turns away, and he like grabs the camera again. And he's like, oh, don't no, I mean like don't worry, it'll be okay, like you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's that, that's great. Like that's that the whole good, movie. That's yeah. why the movie's so good. Is like for the one second when he's having a bad vibe, the camera turns away. <laughs> yeah. That's but, hilarious. Yeah, that sums it up, really. Yeah. Anyway, good good movie, good time. If you haven't seen it, absolutely watch this movie. If you haven't seen it and, and you've if you have through seen this it, episode. If you have seen it, watch it again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Seriously. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. All right, peace out. Guys. Peace out. Let's begin so